a series of messages right now called Together. And what we've learned is, is that there is power in community. God created us to be in community with each other. And we've learned that we can do more together than we can apart. And when we're doing things together in the right way, we become something. We become a team. A team is a team when everybody on the team is doing their part. So that's the big question that I want to pose today as we think about this. Am I doing my part? Am I doing what God wants me to do? Now we know what God wants to do through the team, and that is to spread God's love to other people because we understand that the power of love has the ability to silence hatred in our world. Y'all, do we live in a world of hate right now or what? It's just, it can be so discouraging looking out to see what's happening. It can be discouraging until we realize we have the answer. And the answer is the love of God that can bring light into a very, very dark place. Jesus trained some guys to take that message of love into the world. We know them as the disciples. And before Jesus went up into heaven, he commissioned them. In other words, he gave them their purpose about what they were to do. We've looked at this the last couple of weeks, and we're going to look at it again today. I started a message last week that I didn't finish. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to finish what I was sharing with you last week about this to help us see if we really are filling our role in what it is that God wants us to do. So what was that commission that he gave them? It's found in Matthew 28, and we read these words. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." I want to put special attention on the first part of what he said. He said, therefore, go and make disciples. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So what is a disciple? We learned last week, and it's already on your outline sheet. Number one and number two, everything's already filled in for you because I've already talked about this. Just want to give you a quick recap. A disciple is a follower. It's someone who follows someone's teaching or follows their example. I gave the example of a head coach last week. For example, if you're a head coach of a football team and you have assistant coaches under you that are learning from your teaching and following your example, and they, be, they go from that place to become a head coach themselves, they learn that under their mentor. They learned that under someone. They were a disciple of someone else that taught them and showed them how to do it. Y'all, we're not here to be disciples of a head coach of a football team. We are here to be disciples of the head of the church. Jesus Christ, in the Bible, it talks about the church being the body of Christ of which Jesus is the head. And we learn from his teaching and from his example. So why should we follow him as a disciple? On your outline sheet, that was number one. Last week we talked about that, and there were a couple of reasons that we learned. The first reason is this, because he gives us access to God. It's Jesus who allows us to have a relationship with God. We learned that all of us have sin. All of us do things wrong, and God can't be where sin is. So God sent Jesus to take the punishment for the things that we do wrong so that we don't have to, he died in the place of our sin. And if we accept what Jesus did for us, we have access to God. 
We have a relationship with God. It is through him that we know God. If you're excited about what Jesus did for you, say amen. Y'all, Jesus gave his life for us. And it's because he did that, he showed his love to us. We experience that love. But not only does he give us access to God, but he shows us how to spread the love of God. That was the other thing that we learned last week. What did Jesus do? There were several things that he did. The first thing is that he put others first. He put people before himself. And there is a a quality about people who put others before themselves. They're willing to give up things for the good of others. And there's a name for that. It's called sacrifice. He was willing to give of himself for the good of others. So if you put other people before yourself, you'll be willing to give up things so that you can benefit their life. One way in which we do that is we give up things so that we can meet their needs. That's the second thing that he did. He met people's physical needs. He healed people who had physical problems. He helped people in their relationship needs. He helped people in many of their needs, especially their spiritual need. And that's what happens for us when we show love. We see someone has a need and we wanna do something about it. And we're willing to give of ourselves to do something about it. Why is that? Because we want every person to live up to who God created them to be. That's the third thing about Jesus. He had a desire for others to live up to their potential. He wanted them to be the best version of who God created them to be. And not only did he want them to be the best version of it, he did things to make sure that they were the best version of that. That was the fourth thing that we learned about him. So if we are a disciple of Jesus, If we listen to his teaching, and if we follow his example, we're gonna notice a man who put other people first, who met other people's needs, who wanted other people to be the best version of who God created them to be, even if they were messing up and doing bad things, and went to work to make sure that that came about. That's what we're supposed to do as well. He's the head. He's the coach. He's the one who taught us how to do it. And he put us here in this community to do those very things for the people who are around us. The big question is, am I doing that? Am I putting people first? Am I meeting people's needs? Do I want people to be the best version of themselves? Or am I upset at them because they're doing bad things or they've done things to hurt me? Am I willing to actually do things to help people who might have done things to harm me? Wasn't it Jesus who died on the cross for the very people who put him on the cross? And we have to have that same attitude, the same attitude of Jesus. All of us should want to do this. In fact, that's the second thing that we learned last week. It should be our motivation. We should be motivated to share this love with other people. And the reason why we should be motivated is because we have firsthand experience. We know what it feels like to be forgiven. We know what it feels like to have a reason to live, to do something for other people. There is a reason for us to do what we do. What does that mean? Just as I needed forgiveness, y'all, everyone needs forgiveness. Everyone needs forgiveness. It's not just for me and the bad things that I've done wrong. The people that I know also need forgiveness. And if I love people that I know, I want them to be forgiven. Y'all, that's huge. If we really love people, We want them to be forgiven. We don't want them to pay and to be 
punished and to be destroyed. We want their heart to change. We want them to be a different person. We want them to become a different person. Everyone needs forgiveness and everyone needs to do things that matter. That's the other thing that we learned. Everyone can make a difference. All of us can make a difference. God gave us the ability to make a difference by putting other people first and meeting people's needs and wanting them to be the best version of themselves and working to make sure that it happens. We should want other people to do the exact same thing. In other words, we should be teaching people and be the examples so that other people see Christ in us. That we're encouraging other people to do what we're doing as they see Christ in us. That's what we're supposed to be doing on the team. There was a guy who was a great example, who followed the example of Christ. His name was Paul. I talked about him last week. Paul had two names. He was also known as Saul. Saul was his Hebrew name, his Hebrew name and Paul was his Roman name. Saul was a Pharisee. Saul had been trained uh, by a really famous Jewish philosopher and teacher. And uh, he had learned so much about Judaism and it became a very important figure in the, in the Jewish faith. In fact, he was one of the leaders of Judaism. He was very upset about Christianity because people were turning away from their Jewish faith and turning to Jesus and to have a relationship with God through Christ. And he thought this was a, he saw this as a threat to Judaism. He saw this as a threat possibly even to himself and his own authority. So he was given permission by the Romans. The Romans gave him permission to go and arrest Christians and even have them put to death. That's who Saul was. He even went to he even went to the Romans and said, hey, I've, I've heard about some people over in Damascus and these Christian people, they're causing problems over there because again, they're teaching things that aren't consistent with our Jewish faith. I want permission to go to Damascus and I want permission to arrest them, potentially maybe even having them put to death. So he gets this permission, he's on the road to Damascus and something happens. He's with some people who are traveling with him, the people who are helping him, and a light comes from heaven and blinds Saul on the road. He can't see. This man who's powerful, this man who's in control, who can take care of his own problems, is all of a sudden put in a situation where he can't fix what's going on. He's got an issue where he doesn't have the solution. He needs someone who has the power to do something that he can't do, and there was only one person who had the power to do it. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. You see, when he was blinded, a voice came from heaven, and the voice that came from heaven was Jesus. He had an encounter with a resurrected Christ, and Jesus said to him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you doing this to me? And because he had this encounter and realized this God really is resurrected, this God really is connected with God, I need him to do something for me that I cannot do myself. So Jesus sends him into Damascus and he says, someone's gonna meet you there to be able to heal you. And sure enough, three days later, a man named Ananias came to him and healed him. It changed his life. Saul went from a person separated from God, killing Christians, to someone committed to God, 
wanting more people to become Christians. Y'all, is that a big change or what? If God can do that for Christian killers, don't you think he could do it for you? Yet we're too busy being angry with people who do bad things to us and don't see the potential of what could happen from that person if their heart changed. And their heart did change. It was this Paul who was called to go to not only the Jewish people to tell people about Jesus, but also to the Gentiles. He became known as Paul by his Roman name because the Romans were Gentiles and he began speaking the truth to those people. It's this same Paul that wrote the scripture that I'm about to share with you. We read it found in Romans chapter 10. He wrote it to the Christians who were at Rome. It says this, as scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Who? Everyone. Didn't we just learn this? Everyone needs forgiveness. Y'all, if you're excited that Jesus is for everyone, say amen. amen. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That means even you, no matter what you've done. But then he poses some questions. This is what Paul says. How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So here's my big, deep theological question for you today. How pretty are your feet? How's that? Shall we take our shoes off and check them out? Some of you would be embarrassed because y'all, some of y'all have some weird toes. Some of y'all have some toes. The middle one looks like it's doing something inappropriate to others because it's longer than everybody else's. Some of you have a toe. It's the pinky toe that's laying back under the others because it's more bashful than the other toes. Some of y'all have heels that, I don't even wanna talk about your heels. They're just gross, okay? We understand that our feet may look very, very different, our physical feet, right? They're formed in different ways. And aren't you glad that God loves everything that he created no matter what they look like? Aren't you glad that God loves everything that he created? But obviously we're not talking about physical feet, we're talking about spiritual feet. Our feet are beautiful, when we go, when we use our feet to actually go where people are who need good news. Those are the people who have beautiful feet. Number three on your outline sheet, we should have beautiful feet. God desires for us to have these beautiful feet. But unfortunately, some, some people who know God, some people who have a relationship with Jesus, who've accepted what Jesus has done for us, don't have beautiful feet because we don't go. I shared with you last week about sin and that there are different types of sin. There is the sin where we commit sin. Like it says, you don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. And we lie and cheat and steal. We commit a sin. But then there's another type of sin where we're told to do something and we choose not to do it. We omit something in our life that we should be doing. We don't do it. And that's what happens in this type of sin. What happens is we have information that can help people who are facing harm. We have the answer about how we can protect them from that harm, but we keep it to ourselves. That's sin. 
It's those people who share the good news, tell people who are facing harm and separation from God that we have the answer, that Jesus is the way, that we're used by God. Y'all, I know this sounds really heavy, but if we know we're supposed to be sharing that message and choose not to do it, we're not being used by God. We're being used by his enemy, Satan, to keep people away from God. And we need to share the message with everyone. God has placed people in your circles of influence for you to share that message with them. So what then do we need? I'll tell you what we need. We need a spiritual pedicure. How does that sound? We're gonna have a little spiritual pedicure going on today. So let me give you some, some steps of the spiritual pedicure and how we can become this type of person. Why aren't we sharing? Well, to answer that question of why we aren't sharing, I want to pose some pedicure questions. The first one is this. Am I willing to reach everyone? Jesus is for everyone, but am I willing to reach everyone? I want to talk again about somebody in the story about Saul and when he was blinded and he was healed of his blindness. Jesus used a man to heal him. His name was Ananias. Ananias was a believer. And Jesus came to Ananias in a vision and he told him, there's a man named Saul and he's gonna be at this guy's house and I want you to go there and I want you to put your hands on him and I want you to heal him of his blindness. Well, instead of Ananias immediately saying, I'm your guy, Ananias began having questions about what Jesus had just asked him to do. And here's the reason why. The story even tells us this. He knew who Saul was. He heard about Saul. He knew that it was this Saul who had Christians arrested in Jerusalem and had them put to death. He knew that this Saul also had been given permission to come to where he was in Damascus and to arrest more Christians, potentially leading to their death. He knew that about this Saul. So he was very leery about doing what Jesus wanted him to do. But Jesus tells him why. Jesus says that this Saul will be the one who will reach Gentiles and their kings with the good news so that they can be changed. And then it's like Ananias got it. I can just imagine how he must have felt, how grateful that he was that God sent whoever God sent to him, Ananias, to tell him the good news because Ananias was also a sinner, because we're all sinners. All of us need the good news. And maybe his mind went back to that person who told him the good news about, about Jesus and how he needed a new life and how his life had been radically changed because of this. And now he saw the hope of, man, if this guy who'd done so much harm, can you imagine what he could do if he decided to do good? And he went. He went to go. He was willing to reach even those that the world would consider to be the worst of us in hopes that their heart would change. Is that me? Do I feel that way about people? I mean, there are people maybe that you've met who've done things against you or done things to hurt you or done something to hurt other people that you love and know and Instead of wanting them to be forgiven and to, to have a, a reason to live and, and have a purpose in their life to do something good, you want them to be punished and to pay for the bad things that they've done in their life. But wait a minute. 
Couldn't people have felt the same way about us and our sin and the things that we've done to other people? They need the good news. See, some people don't share because they don't want everyone to know Jesus. And it's really hard to even say, is that even true? Oh, yeah. And here's how, here's how I know it's true. We choose to keep information that can change people's life and protect them from harm to ourselves. And it proves who we really are. Here's the second part of the pedicure. Let's take a look at it. Not only am I willing to reach everyone, but is, is he Lord? Is Jesus the Lord of my life? In other words, is he the most important person to me? Is he the one that I'm gonna listen to and follow as the Lord because I know he knows what's best for me? It's important for us to think about him being the Lord of our life. Not only do we hear from Paul and what we're supposed to do in sharing with others, but there was another apostle who was very close to Jesus. His name was Peter. He was one of the people uh, who was strongly connected with Christ. It was Peter, James, and John. And this is what Peter had to say. Listen to it. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 3. But in your hearts, revere Christ as what? Lord. That's what we're talking about. Is he Lord? Revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. We're to revere in our hearts Christ as Lord. That's the way he started off this portion of this scripture. Our Lord is the one who is most important to us. So let's write down some statements about this. We talk about what or who is most important to us. It's a natural thing for us that whatever's important to us or whoever's important, we talk about those people. It just comes out of us because they're important. Here's the other portion of this. We talk about what or who we love the most. So whatever we love the most or whoever we love the most, we talk about what we love the most. We talk about this. I talk about Jennifer. I talk about sailing. I talk about motorcycling with Jennifer. She made me sell my motorcycle, but I still love her anyway. So there, there are things, you know, there, we talk about people that we love because they're important to us. Which begs the question, am I talking about Jesus? I mean, if Jesus is important to me, if I love Jesus more than anything else, it should be a natural thing for me to be talking about Jesus. So if I'm not talking about Jesus, then it may be that I need to fall more deeply in love with him. Because the more I love him, the more I'm gonna talk about him. And the more I spend time with him, the more I think about him. And the more I think about him, the more I love him. So it might be that we need to change how we spend our time to make sure that we begin spending time talking to God. That we spend time in God's word, listening to what God says our life should be about. Listening to, the, to what Jesus teaches us. Listening to what happens through life when we begin to be, become people who obey him and to see what happens when we start thinking about him and become more passionate about him, we'll start talking about him. It's a, it's a pedicure thing, right? It's a natural thing that will 
immediately begin to start sharing with other people. In fact, when we're fully his spirit and he's all that we can think about, it's automatic. I love what it says in the book of Acts. It says this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. It's almost like it's an expectation. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It just is something that we'll do when he's important to us and we love him. Third thing in the pedicure. Do people notice something different about me? In the scripture from 1 Peter, it said this in 1 Peter 3.15, to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. We're to be prepared to share the message when people are asking, why, do you, why are you so different? What causes us to be different? He tells us what causes us to be different. We have hope. So I need to ask a question. Do I have hope? Do I have this hope? What is, what is hope? It's the feeling that what is wanted will come about. What happens is it's easy for us to allow negative, difficult circumstances to rule over us, to, to squash us, to cause us to feel like there is no hope, that we're overcome by our circumstances. But when we're not overcome by circumstances that overcome other people, it catches people's attention. How could you be in such peace in your life when you're sick? How can you be in such peace in your life when you've had this financial situation that happened in your life? How can you be at such peace when you lost this position? How can you be at such peace? Here's the reason why. Because we understand that life is not about just the here and now. We have a hope for a future with God. And we have a hope for a future in this, knowing that God's allowing these things that I'm going through to develop me to be the person that I need to be so I can be prepared for whatever he wants me to do in the future. There's a reason for what I'm going through. I'm not overcome by it. I'm understanding I'm learning something through it so I can be at peace. It's not just hope. Hope is connected with something else. Paul actually connected these two things. We find it in Romans 15, verse 13. It says this, May the God of hope, we just learned about hope, fill you with all, what's the next word? Joy and peace. Joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So not only is the question, do I have hope, but do I have joy? We've been singing about joy today. Am I joyful in my life? Well, what is joy? When, when do I experience joy? Here it is. Joy is that feeling we, when we experience when we know we're loved. In other words, when someone does something to me and meets my need and proves to me that they love me, I feel joy because I feel loved. And the feeling we experience when we know we're making a difference by showing our love for others. I feel joy when I'm doing something for others because I know they're feeling loved because of what I'm doing. That's where joy comes from. I feel joy when I feel loved and I experience and feel joy when I show love. That's when we experience joy. And here's the great thing about it. Joy and love go together. This is what he said, and Paul said in Galatians chapter five, right, the fruits of the spirit, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, and peace. 
In other words, because I have love, I've experienced love, because I show love, I've done this, I have joy in my life. And you know what? When I have joy, everything in the world can come against me, but I have a God who unconditionally loves me no matter what, and I am always at peace. Always at peace. How can you be so peaceful in times of such great crisis? Because I have a hope and a joy that comes from my Savior, Jesus Christ. See, the reason why many people don't share the good news and have ugly feet is because the circumstances of the world have overcome you and you've forgotten who you are in Christ. When you remember who you are in Christ, hope will come and joy will follow. And people will see something different about you. Y'all, I'm feeling good about the pedicure. All right. One final thing. Am I prepared to tell my story? That's what it, it said in, in 1 Peter 3.15 again. He, he talked about we need to be prepared to give a reason for the hope. I need to be prepared to, to give people the reason why I have hope. In other words, I need to be prepared to tell my story. Paul is a great example of this for us as well. This is so cool to me. Because if you look through the book of Acts, many times when Paul was telling people about Jesus, he simply was telling people his story about what happened to him. I'll give you a great example of it. In Acts chapter 22, the people were ticked off. The Jewish people were ticked off at Paul because Paul was talking to Gentiles, telling Gentiles, you can have a relationship with God, which was a big no-no. And he was letting Gentile people come to the temple. Oh my soul. So what happened? A mob of people came against Paul and wanted to kill him. So the Romans hear what's about to happen. They run in to protect Paul, they arrest Paul. So after they arrest Paul, here's Paul's like, wait, 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 wait a second. Wait, wait a second. Let me talk to the crowd just for a minute. Let me talk to the crowd. So you know what he did? Oh, this is great. He told them his story. Even when he's been threatened by death, the most important thing that he can think of to tell somebody is what Jesus did for him. It was the most important thing that he could think of. And that's what we're to do. Y'all, you don't have to memorize John 3.16 or Romans 3.23 or 6.23 or a bunch of other Roman stuff and the Romans road and all of that stuff. I mean, it's good to know that scripture. It's great. I would encourage you to, to, to learn that scripture. You don't need one verse of scripture because here's the deal. That scripture wasn't even around yet. The dude who wrote it was Paul. He's the one who gave the example. Just tell what's happened to you. So here are, the, here are the four things about your story, and then we'll be done, all right? It's quick. What was your life like before accepting Jesus? What were you doing? What was most important to you? What did you love the most? Or what were you talking about? I mean, obviously it wasn't God because he wasn't a part of your life yet. So what were you living for? Here's the second question that we need to ask. What happened to make you realize you needed to accept Jesus? Did you lose hope? Did something happen to you that 
discouraged you? Did you start feeling unhappy about things? Or were you like Paul, that something happened to you that you couldn't handle yourself and you needed the help of someone who was more powerful than you? What happened to lead you to come to know that you had sin in your life because that's what God did or Jesus did to use this moment of blindness to show him that he had sin in his life, that he needed forgiveness. What was it that led you to come to this point where you knew you needed Jesus? Here's the third question. How did you accept Jesus? What did you say to him? What did you say about your sin? Jesus, you're right. I've done things wrong. I've done things that are selfish. What did you say about him forgiving your sins? Did you ask Jesus, Jesus, I know you died on the cross for my sins to take my punishment for me and I accept what you did for me. Did you pray something like that? Or did, did you pray something this, like this? What did you pray to Jesus about him becoming the person that you follow? Did you decide that, Jesus, I want to follow you. I don't want to be selfish. I want to follow you, and I want you to be the one who leads me in my life. You just told people how to accept Christ in your life. You just told them what you did to accept Christ in your life. Here's the last question. Oh, this is a good one. What has your life been like since accepting Jesus? What our life should be like after accepting Jesus? Y'all, this is good. It's a life full of hope and joy and peace. So much so, I want to tell you about it. Just look at my feet. How's that for a pedicure, right? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. What is God saying to you today? It might be that you're not a Christian. Maybe you never accepted Christ in your life. Maybe you never accepted what Jesus did for you by dying for you on the cross for your sins. We want to encourage you to give your life to him. Back in the back, in the corner, there's an area. It's called The Journey Begins. In just a moment, we'll have, after the service, we'll have some of our counselors back there. And they would love to talk with you and, and pray with you and encourage you and answer your questions. The Bible says this, if we call on the name of the Lord, we'll be saved. They'll help you pray to acknowledge your sin, to accept what Jesus did on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins, to commit to, to follow him as Lord. They'll help you pray that prayer. Or maybe you could just pray that right now, wherever you are. I just shared with you in answering the question, what did you do to accept Christ? That's what we did. If you're a Christian, you acknowledge you're a sinner. So you just say to, to God, I've sinned. I've done things wrong and I'm sorry. I'm selfish. Then we accept what Jesus did for us on the cross. Jesus, I know you died for me and were resurrected to take the place for my punishment. And I accept what you did for me. And then we commit to follow him as Lord. Jesus, I want you to be the the leader of my life, and I commit myself to follow you. If you do those things and pray that and mean it with your heart, you will be saved. You've just made a vow of commitment to God that led to your forgiveness. We'd love to celebrate with you. We have a Bible and a devotional book. If you pray that prayer this morning, that we'd love to give you to encourage you as you grow in your faith. You can get it at, over at our Journey Begins area out of the Guest Information Center. We just wanna encourage you in this. Please let somebody know about it. It may be today that you're a Christian with ugly feet. 
There have been many times in my life that I've been a Christian with ugly feet because I haven't been going and sharing the message. It might be something I've held a grudge against somebody who did something against me and they need Jesus and I'm too busy mad about what they've done to me than thinking about what they need to change their heart. It become about me instead of about them. When did that happen? But it's so easy for us to get off. So I want to encourage you right now to be thinking of, of, of someone. And it might be, I mean, even the worst person that the world would say you know. <laughs> they need Jesus too. Maybe you think about them or just anybody that you know that's not a Christian. And I want to encourage you to pray for that person. Ask God to begin softening their hearts to the message of love and to give you wisdom and a way to show love to them to help penetrate that heart. I wanna encourage you to pray for that person. It might be you want somebody to pray with you for that person. We've got some of our staff down in the front today. They'd love to help you pray for that person if you'd like for them to pray with you for that person. It might be that you have been just so overcome with other issues in your life that you just are burdened and you need somebody to pray for you to help you deal with those burdens in your life. Our staff are here, they'd love to help pray for you. Whatever it is that God's leading you to do, let's do it now. Let's all